Hey everyone, this is going to be one of those episodes where I'm going to ask you to stick around even after the interview's over because I have something I want to tell you about the next few weeks of this podcast. And it's going to be fun and it's a little different, so do me a favor and when the interview is over, don't turn off the podcast and smash your phone with a hammer and throw it in the ocean because again, I'll tell you something. Okay, here's the interview. Welcome to the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show. I am Jeff Rubin, and today I am talking to an artist who has done comics, animation, book covers. Her work has appeared in the New York Times, Vanity Fair, and other great publications you've heard of. But her most well-known work is probably as the co-producer and production designer of Netflix's BoJack Horseman. Please welcome Lisa Hanawalt. Hello, Lisa. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Lisa, we have known each other for some time. We run in the same social circles. I love your TV show. But I got to <laughs> say, I don't actually know uh, what a production designer does. What does a production designer <laughs> on a cartoon like BoJack Horseman do? I think it probably varies from show to show. And uh, we actually struggled to find a correct title for me to explain what I do. And that was the best thing we came up with. Um, but basically I design all the characters for the show. Um, pretty much all the, all the main characters, most of the background characters and extras. Um, and then I, uh, art direct everything else. Um, so all the backgrounds, I choose the colors, I pull reference for furniture, I create parodies of famous artworks. Um, and I, I like add things to shelves and, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do. I kind of I manage all the designers on the show. Okay, so let's go back for a sec because you're talking about how like you were trying to find the right title for what you were basically already doing. It sounds like yeah. So so, so what is this thing and how did you get involved with it? Because you, you had a non TV career before this. Yeah, this is my first job in animation and in television. Um, well, one of my best friends, uh, Raphael Bob Waxberg, we, we've been friends since high school. And uh, we actually went to the same middle school, too. And he created this show idea, and he printed out some of my drawings and included them with his original pitch. And he was like, um, by the way, I showed your drawings to Michael Eisner. I hope that's okay. And I was like, cool. Because these, <laughs> these are like not – these are just drawings that – weren't for the show or anything these are just this is just art you had done yeah i started drawing um animal people wearing clothes like back in 2007 and before it was cool oh yeah i mean i think it it was cool and it sort of became the thing and i was part of a trend um but i don't i just kind of started doing it because i've always liked drawing animal people my whole life um i actually just found a portrait i drew of myself when i was nine years old no eight years old and I'm like a cat person wearing a Weird Al Yankovic shirt. Do you have any insight as to why, like, why animal people? Why animals in clothes? Like, is it just something you like drawing? Yeah, I just, it's like the purest form of my expression. I just really like looking at animals and thinking about them and thinking about their thoughts and feelings the same as if they were people in my life. And it's like a nice kind of way to make an allegory like you can project a lot of emotions and things onto animals in a way that you wouldn't with people um because when i draw a person it looks very specific it always looks like your uncle or a friend or like someone you've met but with an animal it's it's more uh kind of 
generic or or wide of a I don't know <laughs> less specific. Do you know what Raphael showed Michael Eisner? Like what 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 previous work you had done that sort of pointed at this Bojack stuff? Yeah, I specifically had a drawing of a horseman in like a white t-shirt and jeans, kind of like a little sexier than Bojack. I think more of like a Marlon Brando type, and he was leaning up against a wall all cool and that was one of the drawings he showed but he he had this idea for a washed up sitcom actor who happened to be a horse and um when he first told me about the idea i told him it was too depressing but i i've changed my mind <laughs> it is a pretty depressing show and maybe now's it a good is. time to like talk about the show just give a, a, a 101 on bojack horseman for those who haven't seen it i love i genuinely love this show it is pretty depressing like it's it's, or it's yeah. not depressing but it's dark like it takes uh, it takes these feelings like it's kind of silly because they're all horse people or they're all animal people or yeah. a lot of them are animal people. But it takes their like feelings and the, their successes and their failures very seriously. Yeah, I think that's what kind of helps push a show along is that it's got these like deep emotions and and really profound sadness to it. Like, really, um, it's not clear if the main character will ever be able to find happiness but then it's kind of uplifted by all these like really stupid animal puns and silly background gags and like armadillos rolling around (laughs) so so quick one-on-one for those who haven't seen the show it's on netflix you can watch binge watch them all on netflix like they all come out in a day you know how netflix works by now uh it's a cartoon it's 30 minutes is there anything else we need to say just for people who've never seen it um, it's about a horse who lives in Hollywood and he's a washed up sitcom actor and he's trying to find happiness and, uh, yeah, like half the people in the universe are just kind of regular humans and half are animals and they date each other and interact and, um, it's crazy. All right. We're back at the point where Raphael tells you he showed the drawings <laughs> to Michael Eisner. What happened after that? Uh, I was like, like, okay, cool. And then um, uh, this production company, uh, Tornante, decided to produce a pilot, and they asked me to design it, and I said no. <laughs> Did you have any ambition in working in TV? I, I've always liked TV and wa- loved animation and wanted to do something, but um, it's a lot of work, and I wasn't quite sure where this was going and what my involvement would be. So at first I was sort of like, nah, I don't know. I also, you know, when I do projects, I tend to like to do my own thing and write my own stuff. Um, but you know, if I had to choose someone to collaborate with Raphael's the best. So eventually they convinced me, uh, to join. So I, I designed the main 10 characters, um, like Bojack and princess Carolyn, the cat and Mr. Peanut butter, the dog. <laughs> and, um, and uh, then a year later, uh, when they were making the pilot, I designed additional characters and backgrounds, and we put the pilot together and sold it. So Long wanna, story short, <laughs> it was like three years of development, I'd say. Have you ever worked on a TV show before? No. <laughs> Did you uh-uh. have to learn anything to do it? Because you, yeah. have, you have this, you know, this, like, I guess maybe fine arts training, we can call it. I don't know exactly what to call, like, the non-TV arts, but... Um, yeah, I'm, like, a studio artist. Like, I've done illustration, but mostly comics. And I, when I first was designing the characters, I was hand watercoloring them on paper. Uh, no computers involved, which is crazy. Um, and then when the second phase came around and we were making the actual pilot, I was like, okay, I'm going to treat myself and buy a Wacom Cintiq, which is like, it's basically a computer screen that you can draw on with a special stylus. 
Um, and that really streamlined the process. And by then I was working with our uh, supervising director, Mike Collingsworth, and he is like such an animation expert and he's worked on tons of shows. And so he basically taught me like, this is how you do a turnaround of a character. Like you have to kind of make them the same height and, but draw their front and side and back so that they can be animated. And like, we're going to put mouth packs in them. How does this look? And they have to make different consonant and vowel noises or, or uh, shapes with their mouths. And I don't have to do that stuff physically on the show, thank God, but um, learning how to design characters that make it easier for designers to do that stuff and make them move is like, I mean, I, I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> what, what's one of those? Like, what's something you learned just like that you, you know, isn't necessarily wrong for designing a character, but like because of the animation process, you had to wreak a jigger. Well, like some of the mistakes I make are charming. Like I'll draw the eyes different sizes or I'll draw the legs different lengths. And sometimes the designers, the best designers, I think, can can maintain a little bit of that wonkiness because it gives the character more character. Like it makes it look like my artwork. Um, but some, you know, I, I like to use a lot of really detailed patterns and textures. And um, for a while, like people in production were kind of mad at me and I wasn't sure why. And then I figured out it was because I was putting super complicated textures on the arms and legs where the characters needed to be jointed and move. And like, they were like, we can't track these patterns. It's taking days to make sure these work. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll try to keep most of the patterns to the torso, but please let me know when I'm doing this because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> um, Was there anyone that you were particularly into when you were studying and practicing studio art who you, whose work you tried to kind of incorporate into this animation? Um, I can't name one specific artist, you know, like I, I'm just constantly consuming media. So I like all kinds of cartoonists and painters and, but then also I watch a ton of TV and I play video games. So it's, it's really hard to name one influence. I feel like I'm just a sponge for everything. I got to ask, cause you brought it up. What video game are you playing right now? Oh, uh, a couple of days ago. Well, you're, you're, you're good friends with my boyfriend, Adam Conover and he, um, I've never really, heard of him. Uh, <laughs> He's Damn been on, for, so to bring other people in, he, Adam has been on the show. He works at College Humor. He has his own show coming out, which I'm very excited about. Adam That's ruins right. everything. And ruins also, everything. But, but probably most relevant of all, beyond that, I would say he's mostly known for being on this show. Uh, <laughs> in the, he was on the live metagame episode, and he was back. I forget. We argued about Fez. I can't remember the exact context, but he's been on a few times. You argued about Fez? Did you not like it? I'm not a big Fez person, Adam oh. is. I love Fez. I, know, I, did, I, know. I did get frustrated with how difficult it was to solve some of the clues. I was like, I just want to run around and like jump on platforms now. I don't want to solve this horrible puzzle that cannot be solved until I like Google it. Um, <laughs> but I do love that game. So, uh, wait, what, so what are you into now? I don't know that we oh, actually got that. Oh, well, Adam played this game called Earthbound when he was young and he played through the entire game twice as a kid. And so he's like, I want to play this right now, but I want you to play it and I'm going to watch you play it. So I'm playing Earthbound and it's amazing. It is beautiful. I cannot believe how old it is. Um, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous game. It's really funny. And I'm kind of, I like this, I'm like this little kid and I'm fighting and grinding and building up my, my XP and I don't know. It's awesome. <laughs> great, great selection. I'm 
so I want to bring it back to Bojack, so we don't get lost on Earthbound. Oh, but, yes, which we it's could. It's easy to easy to get lost right, in right. there. I'm really interested in the process of character design because I think it's like a, a really cool, like critical piece of it where you're making like all sorts of critical decisions. And yeah. I don't know any like not only do I not know about character design, I also don't know about art. So it's like everything is impressive to me. Everything is interesting <laughs> to me. Oh, good. Can you just like walk me through this process? First basic question: At the point where you're designing the characters, are the voices cast? Because um, this is probably something we could mention for people who haven't seen the show. The horse Bojack is Will Arnett. Yeah. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins is on the show. Amy Sedaris. Um, Aaron Paul. Aaron. Oh yeah, Aaron Paul. Allison Bree. So it's a really great cast. Did you know what these characters would sound like when you were drawing them? Not originally. No, the casting came years after I first started designing the characters. How um, long was that process? Actually, that's a good question. Like, how long from I've shown Michael Eisner your pictures <laughs> to where you're now doing the pilot to we're actually doing the show? I would say three years. Um, so a long time, actually, but I had long breaks in between, you know, like I designed the 10 main characters, um, including like uh, Mr. Pinky, Pinky the Penguin and, and like a pig doctor. And then um, and then like six to eight months passed. And then I went back on to design more and then uh, more time passed and then this show sold. So there was a lot of kind of waiting around to see if anything would happen with it. What are you trying to do? Like, what what do you know about the characters when you're designing them? Do, well, right? I I read the script first of all, and uh, does the and script then, specify who is an animal and what animal they are? Usually, I, I mean, obviously, you know, Bojack's a horse, but like, you know, there's just a random alligator man or whatever, <laughs> whatever you know. Actually, in that yeah, sometimes it does specifically say alligator man or alligator executive or something. Um, like the writers and Raphael really have a good time picking animals, but then I get to choose a lot as well, especially for extras. And you know, if there's like a group of five doctors or whatever, I'll make two of them animals and the rest people. Um, so I, I get a lot of freedom there. Uh, but yeah, usually the characters start with like kind of a conversation with Raphael. I, I read the script and I come up with my own ideas and then I talk to Raphael. And then what's great is that we have a rapport because we've known each other, each other for so long. So he can be like, do you remember that girl in our English class right. in high school? Like I want a dolphin version of her. <laughs> I'm like, got it. I totally know what that means. Um, I feel like we have, you know, sort of a shorthand. So, and then I'll, I'll usually whip up a sketch, um, and color it in quickly and then print it out and show him and we'll have another discussion. Uh, sometimes I nail it on the first try, but not always. Um, and it's really fun. I think about the characters a lot. I think about what their relationship is to Bojack, what their colors need to be to pop off him or to remind him of another character. Um, I do a lot of research into costumes and patterns and, uh, yeah, it's, it's so much fun. Do you ever look I at animals? It. Do you ever look at just horse photography? You must have to at some point. Oh right? gosh, all the time. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's like why I have this job is right. so I can look at animals all day. So, and I'm always trying to find like sort of new animals that we haven't drawn on the show before. So like for a character like Mr. Peanut Butter, who is a dog voiced by Paul F. Tompkins, like what are you trying to accomplish in the design of the character? Like, what are you trying to get across just in the everyday look of Mr. Peanut Butter? For Mr. Peanut Butter, it was really important that he be handsome, but also like a little bit douchey, but not so much that we're like, ugh, he's, you know, an entourage, you know, like just a little bit, like very obviously Los Angeles. So he's got the V-neck t-shirt, he's got the sporty pants and the kind of cool sneakers. And then he's wearing like one of those Livestrong bracelets. 
Oh, I never uh, noticed that. That's good. One of the first times I was meeting, um, sort of, you know, a lot, sometimes the, the suits come by for a table read. Um, and I was talking to one of them. I don't even remember who he was, but, um, he was like, Oh, you know, I love Mr. Peanut butter. And I was like, yeah, he's such a doofus. He wears a live strong bracelet. And then the executive lifted up his sleeve and he was wearing a live strong <laughs> bracelet. I was like, uh, <laughs> but luckily he, he didn't think I was making fun of him. So you, you said he's a good looking dog. Like what's the difference? How do you draw a good looking dog versus uh, like a dog who is less attractive? Well, you know, he's fit. Like he's, he keeps, he's, he keeps in shape. <laughs> and also he's like, uh, you know, he's a yellow lab. He's like the all American lovable family dog. Um, he's like, if a dog was to have a sitcom and be famous, it would be that kind of dog. Right. Is there any logic, and maybe this is more of a Raphael question, but is there any logic to who is an animal and what animal they are? Because half the cast is, or maybe half, I don't know, half the population of this world is humans, right? It's Yeah, um, I would say a little more than half of the characters are human because the animals stand out so much mm-hmm. that it can't be exactly half because then it would seem like too many. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Like so, you, your eye immediately goes to the animal characters. So like why would one character be a human versus an animal? I think it's it's mostly like whatever strikes Raphael and I as funny. Um, you know, like something there's something funny about a doctor being a little pig, um, and like it makes sense that a f- very famous and kind of friendly character would be a dog. Right, right, right. But what about the humans? Like, if, if there's just nothing special about them, are they default human? Uh, I mean, it it depends on the character, I guess. Um, I, I definitely, we definitely put a lot of thought into like what right. race they are and what kind of human they are. What about the look of LA? Because the show takes place in LA. It's like a very Hollywood show in that they're all like, you know, celebrities and in, in that industry, in that world. And the LA is kind of distinct, right? Yeah. I tried to create sort of a, a fantasy version of LA. So I use a lot of like gradient sunset skies and, and we've got these kind of rolling green hills, which, you know, usually the hills in L.A. aren't that green. But, um, uh, yeah, just like a cartoony version of, of what L.A. is. Lots of palm trees everywhere. And you, how long have you been in L.A. now? Uh, I just moved back, um, let's see, uh, on New Year's 2014. But I, I lived here before. I, I was in New York for five years, but I, I went to college out here and I lived here for like eight years before that. Did you go to school for art? You must have, right? Yeah, I studied art at UCLA. Right. Is L.A., do you, did you feel like you had, so you knew L.A. and like you felt yeah. like you had a version of L.A. that you wanted to channel into the show? I do. I love L.A. too. I'm a pro L.A. person, even though it's stupid and, and smoggy and crowded. <laughs> what about, I, want, I, I really enjoyed hearing like the, the kind of the breakdown of where Mr. Peanut Butter's like look comes from. <laughs> what, what's another, is there another character? I, I because believe me, I can pick one, but is there another one um, where it was like a challenge to solve what they would look like and you were very satisfied with the results? I think Todd was the most challenging character. So Todd, just real quick, is the human who is Aaron Paul, who is BoJack's roommate. He's like his sidekick, kind of. Like, he's just his little friend. So he needed to be cute. And um, our original design for him just like wasn't 
cute enough. Like in the pilot, he looks way different. Um, he's, he looks too realistic or something or like too much like an adult man. And eventually we decided to redesign him because we were like, okay, we want him to be so cute that you'd want to get a tattoo of him. I'm like, all right, he needs to be more cartoony, especially because Aaron Paul has such a low kind of gravelly voice. Um, the cartooniness of the character balances it out in a weird way. At what point did you find out that you were going to be on Netflix? And does that give you a license to be a little weirder or a little crazier than if the show was on, I don't know, NBC or something? Oh, gosh. I mean, we originally we I think we I think I can say this now. We almost sold to the CW and I am so glad they dropped out at the last minute. And then um, like a few months later, Netflix picked us up. I'm incredibly glad because they let us kind of do whatever we want. It's crazy. Like, I, I hardly get any notes. Is, which is a character that took you kind of the longest to crack? Was it Todd? It was Todd. I mean, like, at the end, we went through versions where he was wearing, like, a backwards baseball cap versus the beanie. And, like, it, it came down to really tiny details that people were debating over. Um, and then, like like halfway through the season we decided his hair was too blue so we had to go in and change all of it and yeah he was really uh really i don't know why he was so challenging diane was pretty difficult too just because she had to be a balance of like you know she's like kind of sexy she's a romantic interest to bojack but we also didn't want her to be like a sex object you know she's a feminist she has a voice of her own she's kind of difficult like she has opinions um she's not just there to like be eye candy so I think she kind of came out looking a little like Daria. Some people have said she's got kind of a like a nerdy girl thing going on. Are the humans more difficult? I guess you said earlier that you have more difficulty with humans just in general than animals. Are the human characters more difficult than the animals on the show? They are because they always end up looking like someone in, in particular. And sometimes that's good. Um, but... Yeah, usually for the humans, often what I'll do is I'll try to find like sort of a celebrity um, reference. Like I'll ask Raphael, like, okay, what famous person, you know, does this supposed to look like? And then I'll, but then I'll have to change it so it doesn't look too much like that person. Um, and it's a lot of like tiny little adjustments. Is there a character that was the easiest that you just like read it on the page, immediately had it in your head and knocked it out and everyone was like, yep, that's it? Uh, Bojack. <laughs> Which is, I, I guess, got, important, right? Yeah, I got him immediately. I was like, okay, the sweater, yeah, with the pattern on it, and he wears a suit coat, and he's got red converse, and he has a grumpy horse face, and this is the color. I colored him. He looks, he has the same, like, facial markings as a horse that I used to uh, lease when I was 14. <laughs> um, named Tony, but he has opposite personality. Tony was really sweet. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I, I like have this watercolor that I made of him and everyone was just like, yeah, boom, nailed it. That's him. The show kind of has that, re retains a little bit that, and I have eyes, but I'm bad at articulating what is going on with art. Uh, it kind of <laughs> has a, a watercolor sort of handcrafted feel to it a little more than, um, I don't know, just trying oh, to, The Simpsons you, maybe or something, yeah, just another you, cartoon. You described it perfectly. It is watercolor. Um, a lot of them are, are literally watercolors that I've painted and then scanned in. Um, yeah, they, they kind of wanted to maintain this sort of look of my personal work. So that's what that is. It, it does cause a lot of headaches for the show, though, getting all those complicated textures in there. Did you, did you do a lot of thinking about, you know, we talked about like the characters and the setting, but just the general look of the show, like the idea that it's watercolors and not, I don't know, whatever the, whatever else someone might use. I don't know what another option is. Um, like, was that a very considered decision or was it just like, this is working, let's just roll with this? Kind of both. Like, um, I mean, we definitely had to 
think about it a lot because it takes a lot of work to sort of get those textures in there. But I think it helps. You know, the show is animated using Flash, um, and Flash is great, but, you know, it has its limitations. It, it's not going to look like uh, a Miyazaki film. It's not going to look hand-drawn. Um, the characters' movements aren't going to be that fluid. So I think having the textures and then my hand-drawn patterns kind of gives it like a handmade feel that balances out how computery the movement is, right. hopefully. A lot of great, like, one-off joke characters in the show. Is there one of those that stands out to you that was particularly fun to do? Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to, I'm trying not to spoil season two, which is coming out in just a few weeks. Um, but that's, like, all that's on my mind. It must be hard because I watched season one fairly, you know, a little, uh, several months ago at this point. Um, mm -hmm. But for you, it was, like, years ago. And you're deep in season two, which to me does not exist yet. Yeah. I like... I like when there's like a there's like a mosquito that comes inside the tent uh, in season one. That's a thing, right? I don't remember specifically. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't remember. There it's might been a be. While that sounds I've right. Seen it. Oh, well, I don't. I actually can't recall any insects in general. Are insects animals in the world of this show? Are there any like? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's fly people and such. Yeah, in season one, there's like a a bar fly who's in the corner, right, just yep. sort of like sipping the way flies do. It's really gross. Um, I definitely like wanted more bugs in this season and also more sea creatures. Um, and I keep trolling Raphael by drawing giant plant people, like anthropomorphic plants. Um, and he's like, no, that doesn't work in this world. I'm like, why not? It has to be um, <laughs> Like season two, we like reveal New York is actually plant people for some reason. I would love that, but he, I think it's not part of his, his conception for the world. So I'm, I'm going to behave and not put them in there. I have to assume one of the more difficult sequences from season one is there is a, a psychedelic episode. Yes. That in, in the long tradition of sitcom psychedelic episodes, I think really stands out as like a really, I don't know, a, a great, a great, great psychedelic episode. What oh, was doing that you. one like? Um, it was awesome. It was very uh, collaborative, um, which I liked. Like we, you know, our um, lead background designer, Walter Mencia, really helped a lot with that and just sort of making sure it all tied together. And um, I believe Bojack takes just some sort of unspecified pills. Like it's not like weed or acid or something. It's just like pills. And he just yeah, like, he just takes a, like a, a bunch of rando pills. And it's so it's not like any specific drug. But then it's sort of, I mean, how do you, like, design a freakout sequence? Like, where, where do you even start? I think, uh, well, I think Raphael kind of wrote out a lot of it, and then our director, Amy Winfrey, um, planned out a lot of it, too. I can't take much credit for it. Um, but they took inspiration from things like um, like Don Hertzfeldt um, has, like, some animated sequences that are very, like, hand-drawn looking, and I think they use some of that in Bojack's Freakout, you know, where he kind of, like, is reduced down to just his, um, like, the pencil drawing. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. It also creeps in very subtly. Like, it, he doesn't take the pill and starts freaking out. Like, it slowly, like, it gets, which I think The Simpsons, for instance, The Simpsons Freakout episode, I think, is like that. It's like the non-freakout sequence, and now it's the freakout sequence. But it sort of eases you into it and, until it into the it dials it up very slowly yeah i like how when you think things are back to normal and then diane suddenly turns into a right. giant mutated monster i that, love that that was so fun to draw yeah oh that's very um cronenbergian you know it's yes. like a very like 
I don't know, melt. So did you, like, anytime something like that happens, it's like Diane in this episode is a monster. Or, like, I don't know, Bojack needs a new shirt. He's, like, going out, so he needs a suit. Like, anytime that happens, that's got to go through you on this show? Yep, pretty much. (laughs) So how long do you work? Like, I don't know. how. So how does that work for you? Do you just have, like, a big to-do list and, like, people keep adding things to it? Do you go episode by episode? Yeah, we have like an online kind of like worksheet of characters that need to be done, but it's like never updated. So I'm always like, is this character cut or not? Like we have a very like fast schedule. So stuff gets cut a lot and and kind of, you know, scrapped and like rearranged and replaced. And um, but I mean, it's kind of fun. It's like all hands on deck and I'm constantly just have to design new characters. They'll be like, oh, Lisa, the storyboarders need like characters so that we can use them in the animatics. So can you design like five doctors right away? Or I don't know why I keep using doctors as an example. Um. But when they ask that, so like, what does that mean for you? Like, do you just have to draw like a sketch so people know what the doctor should look like? And then an animator will like really put together the model or whatever the word is that we're going to see on TV. Like what, what is your actual responsibility here? For me, I need to draw like a pretty tight three quarter pose. Um, so that means they're like kind of facing the front, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I'll color it in. And, uh, and then what the designers do is they take that and they turn it around and they draw the profile and the rear and all the poses and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it takes a lot of time. Is it difficult being in that position and like learning how to get others to kind of implement your vision? Because that's like not probably not what you studied at school. At school, I imagine you were, you know, you had ideas and then you, you executed them. But here you yeah. have ideas and other people are doing a lot of the execution. Was that like a, a tough uh, a tough thing to get your head around? It's tough. And sometimes it's frustrating because, uh, you know, it's hard to have someone draw something with your hand, you know, like there, it's not going to look the same. So there's a lot of like little kind of annoying corrections I have to make where I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm making you redraw this for the fifth time, but it just doesn't look right. Like something has been lost in translation from my hand to your hand and we need to get it right. And that's not their fault at all. That's just how it is. Um, but it's also really cool because um, I have all these other artists and they're super talented and sometimes they kind of add their own thing. And right, of course. It. That's the fun. That's like the other side of this is like when, yeah. they, when they actually make it better. Yeah. And like, you know, I can't draw in proper perspective. So the background designers can do better than I would. And, um, you know, I go back in there and mess things up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's too much for me to do. So I have to delegate it to other people. And it's it's nice to like feel like I have this whole team that's there to support me and make sure my vision you know gets on the screen. And earlier in the episode, you mentioned uh, that you're like have to find reference photos. Like I don't know, we see someone's house that we haven't seen before, and you need to see their furniture or whatever. Yeah. It is. Like, oh God, I'm googling stuff all day long. It's so great. Just, what is that like? Like I, there's I don't know. There's one where you you see Mr. Peanut Butter's house, which you haven't seen for most of the show. Like you have to go on Google and like look for what his furniture would be. How do you start doing that? Well, I I like looking at a lot of blogs anyways, and I have a lot of kind of highfalutin words in my head that I can, I'm like, okay, I want this to look like Mediterranean or like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, kind of, I don't know, Spanish or, or post-colonial, like I want a post-colonial dining room. Um, And like, you know, I have favorite works of art too. So I'll be like, okay, I want like a David Hockney painting above Bojack's desk. Um, You know, it's, it's like a time when my most pretentious, side of me like is very helpful 
Um, like I, you know, in this new season, I can't say much yet, but we have a character who's like, you know, she's very tied to the 1980s. And I was like, okay, I think her office would have like, um, I'm not sure if I'm even pronouncing this right, but like Cabussier furniture, because even though that's not from the 80s, I think it has an 80s kind of vibe to it it's like a lot of black leather and chrome huge spoiler for season two boussier furniture yeah Corbusier. and then um you know i'm like okay maybe she's really into like memphis style pottery which is a thing i like but is also very 80s so you know i get to kind of pull all the stuff that i'm interested in and kind of spit it back out what was like a fun setting to design um like for season if you can remember i guess for season one is there, are there any settings that stood out for you that were particularly tough to crack I mean, Bojack's house was the one we spent the most time on because, of course, it's, like, the most important set. Um, the influences there seem pretty clear, you know? It's, like, a nice yeah. Hollywood house. Very yeah. modern, I guess, like, with the hills out the window and the big window. Yeah, right? a, a lot of kind of mid-century references. Um, but what about the art? Because he does have a, a pretty prominent painting right behind his desk. And earlier you mentioned the art. Like, what do you—and honestly, it's not something—the painting behind his desk comes up a few times, I think— but, um, it, you know, I'm sure that you've done work for this show that I like just passed through me that I did not <laughs> fully appreciate. Like, what do you, what do you, what's going on with the paintings in the background? You talked about that earlier. What are you trying to we do? Joke, we joke about like how all the characters on this show are like weirdly interested in collecting art. And it's just like, cause I like putting art on the wall, but like that David, that's a David Hockney painting that is one of my favorites. Um, I always loved it. And to me, I'm like, this is about a man who's sort of reflecting on himself. And, um, you know, in the original painting, there's a man watching another man swim. Um, and of course in the Bojack version, it's Bojack watching himself swim. Um, and I don't know, I just thought it would have kind of a, a, an evocative kind of feel to it to have that in his office behind all his trophies and stuff. Is it maybe because, if I could put forward a theory here, you have this art background, and you know, like, you're, this is something you know a lot about and have a lot of opinions about, and, like, here's an opportunity to kind of surface that and, like, you know, harness it. Yeah, I mean, I also, I think it makes the show more interesting. Like, for people, you know, it, it's it's made to binge watch, but it's also the Netflix model makes it so that you can go back and rewatch it as many times as you want. And I want people to want to pause the show and rewatch it just to sort of catch things and wonder what they mean. I I like creating really detailed, layered artwork and thinking about things a lot. Yeah, I love, just to be clear, like, I love that I didn't notice everything. That's a good thing. Like, sh- there should be more than I can possibly take in on one viewing, you know? Oh, like, God, it's, yeah. It's there, was this, full. there was this BuzzFeed list of, like, 130 things you might have missed in the background of BoJack, and I was so excited about it because it was, like, uh, so fun. so many things I'd spend so much time adding in, and I was like, I don't know if, you know, anyone's going to notice this, but, yeah. Just, I want to try to wrap my head around this process. Like, I'm... So there, the script is written, then it's recorded, right? Is it recorded before you start, you know, working your magic on it? It's kind of all done at the same time. Like, I'm designing before all the scripts are written. Um, uh, and, yeah, and then we have a table read, and then it starts being recorded um, kind of slowly but surely. Um, but, yeah, everything, like, and things are being kind of storyboarded at the same time. It's kind of nuts. Like, our schedule is very... Um, condensed i would say <laughs> so you, you can't really like use that i guess or wait for that to like listen to it to inform no i can't um there's only been a, there's been a couple occasions when i've changed a character slightly to to match the voice better um like stanley tucci 
did the voice for Herb Kazaz, um, who's like Bojack's uh, old friend who he's kind of uh, on the outs with. Um, oh, extreme. I forgot about that one. Extremely yeah. sad episode. Oh, my oh, God. Gosh. So yeah. real. So real. Yeah. I forgot about real. that one. Yeah. Um, but Stanley Tucci has such a sort of thoughtful, intelligent voice. And I originally designed Herb to be a little wackier looking. And, and so I kind of just tweaked his face a little bit to give him a little more gravitas or something. I don't know what exactly. Um, but yeah, most of the characters are designed before they're voiced. And then, uh, I usually don't have to make changes. Our, our casting director, Linda LaMontagne does a really great job kind of matching people. And how long does it take to do, how long are you working, like, I don't know, how long are you working on a season? Because the season's 13 episodes. Let's see. I, okay, for second season, I started in, like, September, and then I started to, my my job in particular started to wrap up in, like, April. Um, but the show itself is being wrapped up, like, right as we speak. Uh so I uh, like I don't have to go into the office every day now, but I'm still like reviewing animation from home. Has working on this TV show, which is very successful and people like it, or at least that that is my perception because I like it and my friends like it. Yeah, uh, I think it, it, I think it's doing well. Totally right. <laughs> I mean, Netflix doesn't show me the numbers or anyone else really. Right. So and so does this. Uh, I mean, has this put a strain on, uh, has this distracted you from the other art that you were doing before? Do you miss that at all? Have you had an opportunity to go back to that? It is, it is hard to balance that stuff. Like, I mean, I'm working like nine hour days at BoJack most, most days of the week. So, um, it's exhausting to come home and then try to work on comics. And so that's definitely slowed down, but, um, I also think that tension is what kind of keeps me going though. Like I'll, I'll have a week where I'm putting all of my creative energy into Bojack and then the next week I'll freak out and I'll kind of pull back and like focus on my comics or do ceramics or whatever. And then the next week I'm back into Bojack and I'm like kind of going back and adding detail to the background. I half-assed the week before. Um, I have a very limited amount of like creative energy, but I, I have to stretch it out somehow and, right, and right. do all these things. Um, I'm still, you know, I'm still doing comics. I have a, I have I'm supposed to have a book come out next spring and I'm working on that now. <laughs> is, is this like in your mind when you think about these things, is this like all part of like one artistic endeavor like BoJack and the comics and all these other things? Is it like kind of like one Lisa that you are trying to project or, or do you compartmentalize them? I think I compartmentalize a little bit because I have to. Um, also, because like, I mean, Bojack, you know, it, it's it's my vision in a lot of ways, but also it's Raphael's show and there's writers and there's designers. Yeah, it's a very collaborative medium in general. Yeah, it's super collaborative. Um, so, like, sometimes I get frustrated that I don't get to make all the decisions. Most of the time, it's a, it's a relief. Um, <laughs> you know, if something goes wrong, it's not 100% my fault. But, um, but I, I take a lot of ownership and pride over everything I do. Like, I would not work on the show if I didn't, put you know so much energy into it and and like I'm drawing things on the shelves that I grew up with in my family home you know like I I try to make it as personal as possible because I think that makes it just that much better um but yeah I mean I I go back and forth and I compartmentalize and yeah it's all for my own sanity so what is what is that like? Like you're working on TV, very collaborative. You have people that are looking to you, like where is this thing? You have people trying to execute your vision, and then yeah. you go home and you're working on ceramics just by yourself. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Is that hard? Is that, it? Just seems like. I mean, even though beyond the the work itself being different, is that just like a different gear? Do you have to get yourself like worked up to do that? 
Sometimes like, you know, comics are really difficult because you basically have to storyboard them and write them and edit them and then make sure everything flows together and draw panels. Like it's the most exhausting thing. So my energy for drawing comics sometimes is so depleted that the only creative thing I can do is like make a pot or, you know, sculpt something or make a crazy painting, like something that doesn't require a lot of kind of planning. Um, but it allows me to kind of, uh, indulge my childlike side. I mean, I am very childish person in general. So when I'm doing that, it's kind of like, haha, nobody can tell me what the fuck to do right now. Um, sorry, can I say fuck? Um, definitely, definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, which is kind of like why I became an artist in the first place. I don't like other people telling me what to do. Um, I want to be able to draw whatever I want to draw. Uh, and I mean, as far as having day jobs, BoJack gives me so much freedom to do what I want. But, you know, I still have to sit in meetings and explain my decisions and then get them turned down all the time. Right. Um, and, you know, of course, that's frustrating. So when I go home, that's my time and I get to do whatever I want. And your comics, where do you publish your comics? Um, I do a regular feature column for Lucky Peach magazine, which is a food magazine. Um, and they kind of let me do whatever I want. So it's really like off the rails, like barely has anything to do with food most of the time. Um, <laughs> and I publish comics online on my Tumblr and, um, yeah, kind of all over the place. Do you, does it make a difference? Like the work you're doing for lucky peach that like for an audience, for a magazine or a TV show or whatever, versus the ceramics or which I, I don't know, do you sell <laughs> your ceramics or the, the stuff that's on your Tumblr? I don't know. Is it? Do you just is that uh, uh, does it make a difference in the work? I guess it would, right? Yeah. Well, okay. Ceramics. I'm not even selling it yet, so I can make literally anything. I don't have to please anybody with it. Um, comics, you know, it's for a very small audience. Comics is a small world, um, and they're they're particularly like they're very indie, artsy comics. So while I want my book to do well and sell, I know it's for a pretty niche audience. But then, like BoJack is for everybody, like we don't have like a specific demographic we're trying to please. We want everybody to watch it. So there's a lot of consideration that goes into that. Right. I guess what I'm getting at when I think is so interesting and cool about this career that you've put together is like this balance between things that like a lot of people will see and like things that are just for you. And yeah. like, I don't know, most people I know that make stuff, um, which I'm very blessed to know many of them, but sort of have this default mode of I'm just going to barf everything out to the largest audience possible. And just like that's like a, a drive that the, that they're doing. Uh, yeah, I don't like that because it well, with my own work, there's a lot of things I feel like I could have kept doing and gotten a very large audience for Like, for example, for a while I was doing um, illustrated movie reviews and they got really popular, but I only did like five or six. And I was like, you know what? I figured out this format. I never want to do this again because um, it's boring to me now. I like what I did, but I don't want to keep doing it. So I stopped and people were like, oh, when's the next one? But like, no, I figured that out. I'm done with it. I'm on to the next thing. And same with like drawing, you know, cat people. Like I, I did that for a while and now I'll do it if it makes sense to. But like, I'm not just going to be drawing pet portraits and cute, you know, cats forever. Like I, I don't want to, I don't know. I, I want to do something that's like challenging and, and means something to me. And um, I don't know, like, Right now I'm trying to do like a diary comic and I think I love diary comics so much, but I don't know how to do them very well. And I think when I do them, it's kind of boring. So I'm trying to do one because I want to figure out how to do it. Uh, how does the podcast, I would be, 
I'd be sad not to mention that you are a fellow podcaster. How does That's the podcast right. fit into all this? Oh gosh. Um, well, my, my lovely friend, Emily Heller. Um, so funny. She's so fucking funny. It's crazy. Like she, sometimes she an I, album coming out. Did she just record an album? Yes, she did. Um, yeah, it's coming out. I don't know when it's coming out very soon. I think, um, I don't know what the name is yet, but she's so fucking funny. It's really funny. Canadian. I think about the fact that I'm friends with her and it drives me crazy. Um, <laughs> so exciting. But she asked me if I wanted to co-host a podcast with her. And I said, yes. And um, so we've been doing that for like three years now. And it's called Baby Geniuses. Um, For me, the podcast is just a way to like bring me out of my shell and force me to be less shy and talk to people I've never met before. Um, It's, you know, it's like another thing that's like really challenging for me. So I continue to do it. Um, I often think I'm not very good at it. And uh, but, you know, that's a reason to do it, I guess, just kind of keep figuring it out right do you think you know now that you've sort of broken into tv and are uh producing and designing this like pretty successful show do you think more tv in the future or is this a specific special circumstance because of the friends and because the show is so fun and all that i do think more tv but i want to wait until something really feels right to me um i'm not just gonna I don't know. Like a, a lot of, there seems to be a culture in LA right now. That's like, always be pitching all the time. And I see like 21 year olds pitching. I'm like, really? You think you're going to have your own show? I mean, I guess some of them will just statistically, but like, <laughs> and maybe I, maybe I should be pitching all the time, but I just, I don't know. I want to wait until something really feels like it's going to be mine and I'm going to have creative freedom. And like, you know, it, it takes so long to make an animated show. It's got to be something that I, care about like 150 percent well it seems like that approach served you well up to this point so. are there any uh, are there any car uh, is there any other animation tv or movies that you're like really into right now oh gosh there's so much um <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, obviously I you are TV. i guess the question is what are you into right now oh god i'm really excited about rick and morty yes, yes. it's just so good it drives know, me crazy i know, you know i'm just like damn it ah uh, like I mean, I should feel like there are competitors, but I just love them. They're great. Um, so what's your take on the animation of that show? Which, I, again, like for my, I'm like, it's good. That's kind of my opinion of it. W- what do you see when you look at it? Uh, I just, like the character designs are like deceptively simple, but it works really well. And then, I don't know, they just have like really crazy shit happen. I mean, the writing is just incredible too. Like, it's like really like a fun you know, coat hanger to drape a crazy visual thing over. Totally. I, I had Justin Roiland created that show on this show, and he talked about how, like, that show, it's, like, it's so well-written that, like, that, that it's funny is almost secondary. Like, even if it wasn't funny, it'd be a pretty good show. And, like, the yeah. main thing it does is be funny. I like that it, you know, there's a lot of, like, shows that are funny and wacky and weird, but, like, this show also has an emotional core and um, makes me sort of think about the world in a different way. And, um... Uh, I feel similarly about um, a show that's very different, but uh, Steven Universe, you know, it's a show for kids, but it's like, it's beautiful and weird and like, uh, it just has like kind of a different sort of emotional feel to it than most shows. Um, I don't know. I I love that show. It's really great. 
I don't know that one. What's that one like? Oh, Steven Universe. It's uh, it's on Cartoon Network. I'm so and... flattered you assumed I knew it, though. I'm so uh, you seem very surprised <laughs> that I didn't know like a children's well, TV show, which I take as a huge compliment. You seem to have your finger on the pulse. Um, <laughs> it's great. It's created by Rebecca Sugar, who used to work on Adventure Time, and um, it's just a very gorgeous show. It's very well animated, and the colors and the art direction are just like like sometimes I know that. I know that BoJack couldn't look like that and work the same way. Like, it's just, you know, it's not the same show at all. But sometimes I'm jealous of, like, how detailed they can get it. Um, yeah, it's it's great. Does working with computer? I mean, obviously you work with computers and that the show is animated in Flash. But is doing, <laughs> you know, I don't know what is computer animation, like, you know, more Pixar-y, uh, DreamWorks animation. Does that interest you at all or is that just like a totally different thing? No, I don't really like, like, 3D kind of CGI looking. I mean, I don't know. I love Pixar movies. I'll always go see them. But um, uh, I just, it doesn't appeal to me as much as, like, the old school style cell animation, which maybe it's dead. But, like, I, to me, the best, best thing in the planet are Miyazaki movies. Like, I love them so much. And they're just drawn in a very traditional way. Like they use some computers to kind of expedite the process, but like, yeah, it's very, very traditional. And I'm just worried that that style is going to die, you know? Right. I mean, do you see anyone besides Miyazaki continuing that? I don't know. I mean, he's a straight up genius. Like nobody could do it the same way he did. Like just the fact that he doesn't even have scripts and that he just kind of storyboards the entire thing and does it as he goes along. Like that's that's so revolutionary and just kind of just the whole way he makes movies is completely different from the Western style, Pixar style way of doing it. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's incredible. Was there anything that you learned like between season one and two? which you're, you're now done with season two. Is there anything that you were like learned between season one and two that you were able to implement in season two? Was it like different or was it just, uh, was it more comfortable because you were, you had already done it and people had already seen it and enjoyed it or was it just coming back and more of the same? You asked such good questions, Jeff. Um, <laughs> uh, I felt a lot more confident if that counts, you know, it wasn't like I learned one particular technique or anything that helped. It's just, I, you know, like when I, when we started season one, I was kind of dropped in there and I'd never done it before. And they were like, okay, you're going to tell like 16 people how to draw clouds and trees and how to draw. And I was like really shy about it. And I questioned all of my decisions. Um, and you know, I was probably kind of not the best, uh, leader. Um, and I'm still not, but I'm, I'm much more confident now. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm, I trust that my decisions like have meaning behind them and that I can just sort of decide. <laughs> um, I got to ask, how do you like, that's a really, that's a good question. Like rocks and trees and clouds, like really basic things. How do you like, what does a tree look like on Bojack? How did you design trees on Bojack? I don't even really know. I just started drawing a bunch of them. I'm like, okay, make them look like this, you know, so that it looks like I drew it. And then <laughs> that'll match the rest of the show, which I also drew. And like the font is a font made out of my own handwriting and the logo, I drew it. And yeah, that's the style is just Lisa drew it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that, you know, that helps me be more confident. I'm like, well, if I drew it, that means it's right. But also, you know, another thing I learned is like, okay, yeah, be open to other people questioning you. Like I'm very... I like it when designers give me feedback on stuff and they're like, actually, you know, why don't we try it like this? I'm like, you know, you're right. That is better. Like, 
I'm working with so many talented people. I, you know, I feel like all of us should get to kind of throw our ideas in the hat or whatever. Lisa, I am very excited for this portion of the show. I feel like I have to clear out some time to ask you if you have anything <gasps> to plug. Oh my gosh. I feel like we've, we've covered a lot. We've covered a lot. Where can people find comics, podcasts, Bojack, <laughs> uh, ceramics, the whole thing? <laughs> Well, the best place to learn anything is is my website, lisahannawalt.com, and my Twitter, at Lisa Draws. I keep y'all updated on all my news on those social feeds. Um, but then BoJack is coming out July 17th. The whole season, second season, is dropping all at once, and you can binge watch the whole thing in like five hours. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all I have to plug right now. Listen to my podcast, Baby Geniuses. Man, isn't that crazy that people, you know, you like July 18th, you will be getting feedback on the season two finale, you know, like ah! it's, it's just the all at once-ness of it. That, I mean, I guess you don't have other more traditional TV experience to compare it to, but that, that seems like a tough thing to wrap your head around, right? It's wild. Like, I mean, sometimes I miss, you know, the every episode comes out every week kind of thing, you know, because then it would build anticipation and then I'd get to have like parties where we watch it. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, last season it was a little like, oh, do you guys want to watch it? Oh, I already did. I'm up to episode five. Oh, I haven't seen any of it yet. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's almost anticlimactic because like it's it's just out. Even though it's even though it's bigger because there's a bigger impact because you're just putting it out all at once. Um, it's almost anticlimactic because it's just like everyone's kind of getting at their own pace and like it's just out there all at once. You know, that's the negative side. I like that there's kind of like a rolling thing as people keep discovering it and watching the entire season and responding. So it's just like sort of a constant flood right. of new new watchers. So that is really cool. Like when Christmas um, rolled around and we had like a special uh, Christmas episode come out, we got like so many new people who went back and watched the entire season. So um, that was awesome. And then, of course, people rewatch it like five times. I, I have one more Lisa plug that you forgot. Your book. What is the name of your book? Oh, uh, it's called Hot Dog Taste Test. And uh, it's with John and Quarterly. They, they also did my first book, which you can still buy, uh, My Dirty Dumb Eyes. And, um, yeah, that's, it's like a food-themed book, but not really. It's just kind of a bunch of fucking crazy shit. And it's coming out next spring. <laughs> All right. So I think we've now covered it. Lisa, uh, thanks so much for coming and talking about BoJack. Like I keep saying, I can't wait for the show. Uh, it's great. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you one more time to Lisa Hanawalt. I love that show and cannot wait for it to come back. All right. Let's talk about that news I was hyping a little earlier. So I want uh, you to do me a favor. I want you... To listen, I don't want you to react. I want you to let me finish talking before you say anything. Okay. I am taking a brief eight-week hiatus from the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin show. But the reason that I am doing it is because I am going to be hosting a podcast for Mental Floss magazine. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Mental Floss. Um, they often transcribe episodes of this podcast and put them in there. It is a wonderful magazine that I love working with. And uh, they're doing this podcast, and it sounded really cool, and we talked about it, and it sounded um, not that dissimilar from what I'm doing here, and I wanted to give it a try. So that is what I will be doing instead of the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show for eight weeks. But there are two uh, things that I think you should know before you get too upset. One 
is that uh, I think if you like this show, you're going to like that show. They're, if you like this, you're going to like that. Let's just put that out there. And two is that those episodes are going to be released in this podcast feed. So if you just keep subscribing to this podcast, you're going to be hearing that podcast. And here's the uh, here's the, a bonus third thing that might make this news go down a little easier. We're going to be doing eight episodes over eight straight weeks. Usually I release episodes every other week, but we're going to be turning that up. We're going to be doing eight straight weeks of podcasts, and it's starting next week. So in a way, that's nine straight weeks of podcasts. Uh, and they're going to be under this Mental Floss banner, and you'll hear more about it there. So again, to cover the news, to, to recap the news, no new Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin shows for eight weeks. Instead, Jeff working with Mental Floss for something I think you'll like, and you will hear it if you uh, just listen, if you just keep doing what you're doing, listening, subscribing to this podcast feed, follow me on Twitter, where I'm at Jeff Rubin Show, at Jeff Rubin, JeffRubin.com, on my Facebook fan page, or on, I guess that's it. I, I seeped into the social media plugs uh, so seamlessly, I was not, I, I myself was not prepared for it. So that's what's going on. Be here a uh, Monday or Tuesday? I guess I don't really even know when, though I was a little late this week too. So the whole system's in chaos, but uh, it will be for a good cause. I think you will agree uh, when you listen next week. I can't wait. I'll see you guys there. Bye.